Well, welcome to Grand Rapids Baptist Church Online. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter number 14, if you would. Exodus chapter number 14, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 16. I just want you guys to know online, and those that are sitting in the auditorium, thanks for coming. Uh, I just want to say uh, that we're working diligently and working hard on uh, our reopening. Uh, we're going to call it Welcome Home Sunday. We are going to let you guys know when that day is, but we're putting in place a lot of policies and procedures to open safely and to keep in mind the social distancing and to keep uh, people's health at the forefront. And, and when this whole pandemic's over, we want to continue to keep it that way as well. And so we're excited about reopening here pretty soon. Be on the lookout for those emails. Make sure you like our page, Grand Rapids Baptist Church Facebook page. We're also just launched a YouTube page, so please subscribe to that if you can find it. Uh, we'll be sure to send you a link to that as well. So if you're there at Exodus chapter number 14, this is the story of God leading the children of Israel out of bondage from Egypt into the promised land. It's an amazing story, but it took a lot of God's providence and power to get them out of bondage. Every adversity brings new experiences and more wisdom. Every adversity brings new experiences and more wisdom. We often pray for more wisdom. We want to experience new things, and God uh, brings that wisdom and those new experiences, those life changes. He often births them through trials and tribulations. I heard the story of uh, an old snake. He goes to the doctor, and he says, Doc, I need a pair of glasses. My, I just don't see well these days. And the Doctor fixed him up with a pair of glasses, and he said, I want you to come see me after two weeks. And the snake come back, comes back after two weeks and tells the doctor that he is very, very depressed now. And the doctor said, well, what's the problem? I gave you glasses. Did they, did they not help you? He said, the glasses were fine, doc. I just discovered that I've been living with a water hose for the last two years. It's funny when uh, there's no laughter in here, uh, but I hope somebody... <laughs> Online is laughing at that one. Um, when God's Spirit comes into your life, when you get saved, we suddenly begin to see the world from a new perspective, from an accurate perspective. Uh, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of movements out there that want you to see life from their perspective, but I'll tell you this, God wants you to see life from his perspective. That's why in Philippians 2, he says, let this mind, God's mind, Christ's mind, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. God wants us to see life from his lens, from his perspective. Some of you, you're scared. Some of you are bored out of your mind. You're just bored to death. Some of you are, are depressed, anxious. Some of you are actually really enjoying this time. Like, you really like this. You're like, I, I actually, I wouldn't mind if it was like this for the rest of my life. I kind of like this quarantine life. Uh, you know, somebody invites me over, I have an excuse to say no now. I just, nope, I'm not coming over. Quarantine, sorry. I, I, I'm like cooped up in my house reading books. You just enjoy, you enjoy isolation. Um, and that's okay if you do that. That's okay if that's, that's you. But wherever you find yourself, let me ask you, has God gotten your attention? When I look at this whole situation, I can't help but think that I think God is trying to get everybody's attention. 
He stripped everything else away from us that, that drew our attention away from God. And God's like, okay, now that everything's gone, I'm trying to get a hold of your heart. I'm trying to get a hold of you. And when God has a hold of your heart, he has a hold of you, he begins to transform and mold that person into his image. And I'll tell you something, that is the greatest life ever because it's a life with purpose and a life of destiny. So the only time, uh, by the way, that I ever paid attention, talking about God getting my attention, um, I think if I went to a doctor, I'd be, I'd be diagnosed with ADHD uh, for sure. You know, uh, I, I, I just know that uh, there's a lot of things that grab my attention. Uh, whatever's shiny, I, 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 I want to look at it. I want to be a part of it. If there's a party, I want to go to it. Uh, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy life. I try to enjoy it. But a lot of those things distract me from what's most important in my life. But the only time I paid attention when I was in school uh, was when they rolled out that old TV, you know, and brought it into class. That's when that, that really got my attention, you know. And, of course, there's always those old movies like Of Mice and Men, you know, remember when Lenny, you know, I was just tending to web, it's George. <laughs> <I was> just, <laughs> if you ever saw the movie, they always, I don't know why, but every year we saw Mice of Men, um, not, I, that was in high school, and uh, we'd watch something else, but those always got my attention. Uh, God is getting the attention of the children of Israel. He's wanting to free them from slavery. He wants to free them from bondage. And here's the fact of the matter of the story. For 400 years, the children of Israel have lived in Egypt, and probably for a good over 200 years, they were slaves, and they got used to it. They got used to the bondage. They got used to barely eating anything. They got used to being forced into labor. Uh, they got used to being told how to live and what to do. They, they were forced into this quarantine from birth, and the Egyptians controlled them. And God knew, hey, there's a better life for you than that. I, I want to deliver you out of that bondage, but you got to realize, you got to believe that there's something better than the situation you're living in right now. And that may be the case for you today right now, right where you're sitting. Maybe you've gotten used to your depression. Maybe you've gotten used to living with anxiety. Maybe you've gotten used to living the way that you're living. You're like, well, th this is normal to me. Can I tell you something? It doesn't have to be. God wants to deliver you out of any kind of bondage that's holding you back from being the person God wants you to be, being free. Being free to be who you are. Not, being, not to prove yourself to anybody, but to be yourself. God wants you to be the best version of yourself. And the only way for you to do that is to completely give your life wholly to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will deliver you out. But let me tell you, sometimes it's a painful process getting out. Getting out is a pain. There's a lot of stuff that goes on up in here. Uh, and that's what happened to the children of Israel. I want, I want you to read the story. Look, look with me in Exodus 14. Watch what happens in verses 10 through 16. It says, and when Pharaoh drew nigh. So Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. He was the most powerful man of the day. And he did not want the children of Israel, two million people, to be freed because he enjoyed the, the productivity he experienced from their, from their bondage and the, and the slavery. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after him. We're gonna get these people back. And they were scared and they were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Well, that's a good place to go. And then they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, 
You've taken us away to, to die in the wilderness. Moses, I, I knew it. You, there's no graves in Egypt. You just took us out here so we could die. Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us and carry us forth out of Egypt? Like, why'd you deal with us like this? Like, you tricked us out into the wilderness just so they can come out and kill us. Moses, you were against us the whole time. We knew it. But is that the truth? No, that wasn't the truth. They were scared to death and, that, and, and fear will really drive lies in our mind. This is it. We knew it. We knew we were all gonna die. But that's not what happened. Verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, don't, don't be afraid, stand still. This is such a, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you to, uh, today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today shall see them again no more forever. You'll never have to see them again. You don't have to worry about them anymore. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. In fact, the, when Israel became a nation again in 1948, the Egyptians tried to uh, overtake them and the uh, Israelis destroyed them, didn't even lose one soldier in that war against Egypt. So God even kept his promise even to, to this last century. Verse 15, and the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Just go forward. And in verse 16, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Would you, do, would you pray with me as I go through this message? Just pray together and ask God to give us the wisdom and the guidance we need from his word. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask for guidance, for wisdom, for strength during these days. And Lord, may we take the truths that, that come from your word to help shape our hearts and our minds to be more like you, to help us get through these days uh, with joy and gladness and with purpose and with strength. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, what I wanna do is I wanna give you three cues for quarantine. My points start with a cue. And I wanna show us how to keep our attention upon God. How can my attention always stay on God, to see that God is fighting our battles, that God is doing a work. Although we don't see a way out, we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, that we need to believe that God is always at work. So, so during this COVID-19 crisis, through this pandemic, and all these days, what is God asking us to do that's from the story? And there's a lot of similarities here. Here we find ourselves kind of in a wilderness, and we don't know where to turn, where to go, or how we're gonna get out of this we do see that God is at work, but we don't know when he's going to act. And so what are we supposed to do in situations like this? Okay, number one, God asks us to just quiet down, to quiet down. Settle, hey, fear not. Moses says, quiet down, settle down, be at peace, hold your peace, okay, uh, fear not. And look at verse 13, he says, fear not and stand still, just stand still. You find that phrase in Psalms where David says, he says to stand still, commune with your own heart upon your bed and just be still. Uh, this is a lost art today is to be still. We're always moving around. When we're bored, we have to bring up the tablet, bring up the phone, watch something, entertain our minds. It is, it is something that is lost in our day and age to just simply commune with our own mind, to meditate to talk to ourselves, to have quietness, to quiet down. 
the children of Israel had a lot going on externally and they had a lot going on internally. We're gonna die. The Egyptians are after us. Uh, there's, there's the sea, there's the mountains, there's no way out. There's, there's so much going on outwardly and inwardly and they were losing themselves. And so I wanna give you two ways to quiet down. Two ways to quiet down. First, we have to quiet down the noise around us. We have to quiet down the noise. That's, that's the advice of Moses. Just don't fear and stay still. Stand still. Don't freak out. Don't start running around without thinking. Be quiet. The noise around us needs to quiet down. We have lost the simplicity of being quiet. We've lost the simplicity of being. I'm not saying it has to be quiet all day, although some of you mothers would love that. I'm just saying there has to be moments in your day where there's a quiet time, where everything's quiet around you. We need to slow down and notice things that are much more important than who's on social media. That people around, the people around us, especially in our home, matter most. Not somebody in another state, not followers on your social media. What matters most is your family, your church family, your coworkers, the people around you is what matters most. Um, during this, this whole thing, we've had a lot more time with our kids, which we've really, really enjoyed. Um, every, almost every day, Pippa comes to me, our four-year-old daughter, and she says, want to wrestle? And I'm like, oh yeah, let's, let's get on the floor. I get on all fours and she jumps on my back and we wrestle around and she laughs and we just have a really good time. I can't think of too many other things in my life that's more important than just spending time with my wife and my kids. Yesterday, Shonda and I, uh, it was getting kind of late and I was like, do you want to cook? And she said, no. I said, good, let's go to Chick-fil-A. And in fact, Chick-fil-A was her idea. Uh, but uh, I, she said, let's go to Chick-fil-A. And I was like, that's a great idea. And so we got in line. Of course, there was... Like, it was packed. Uh, but you know what? I wasn't stressed out about that. We had nowhere to go, and we were able to just sit in line and observe people. That was fun. You know, it's interesting seeing people drive by themselves with masks on. I'm like, who are you protecting yourself from? I just don't understand that. I think I saw a meme that said, uh, if you're wearing a mask while driving by yourself, when this is over, just stay home. Just, just stay home. <laughs> I don't know why people are wearing masks by themselves. But uh, there's a lot of interesting people out there, isn't there? Uh, and, it's, and it's kind of fun to people watch nowadays, you know, just to observe what, what, people, what kind of apparatus they're putting on their heads uh, to protect themselves. And there's a lot of funny stories and funny pictures out there, but Shonda and I just really enjoyed just that time, and, and we have a son that's coming, and, uh, and he was kicking, you know, and I was trying to, I'd, I'd go, she'd go, oh, feel right here, and I'd feel, and he wouldn't move. And then as soon as I'd pull my hand away, what do you think that kid did? He started moving again. I'm like, really? Uh, but we just had a good time. It's, it's those moments that, that really matter the most. So God has quieted life down a lot, hasn't he? Um, and he's quieted it down enough for us to see the needs around us and that the busyness of life has really blinded us to the things that matter most in our lives. Uh, with no sports and no extracurricular activities and homeschool and running all over the place. I mean, people were so busy, they never had time for what's most important. And so maybe when this thing is over, we um, can kind of reorganize our priorities in our life. Um, through this, my wife and I 
have observed that our lives personally were too busy. Our lives, this has taught us that our personal lives were way too busy. We're actually really enjoying everything kind of quieting down. I don't have softball. The girls don't have basketball. Uh, and, then, and then we would have gym every, uh, every other night. We'd have church on Wednesday nights. And I'm not saying those are bad things, but we realized almost every night of our life was taken by something else. And lately, we've just been having this nice time around the dinner table. My wife's had plenty of time to cook. Uh, you know, and a lot of times my wife um, didn't cook, not because she doesn't want to or not because she's not good at cooking, but because she didn't have enough time to cook. Uh, sometimes you just need, uh, you know, time to prepare. And she has that now, and we've really, really enjoyed those times. We're more connected with our kids than ever before through this. And my wife and I have really uh, connected even more as well. Our yard is looking so much better. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot of really amazing things that are happening through this. Um, our dinners together as a family have become more frequent, okay? Um, uh, we have time now to read more, to read, to learn a skill we've always wanted to, to learn. I know that on Duolingo. Uh, but, but it's kind of fun just, just doing things that we have always wanted to do. And so, listen, we have to quiet a lot of the noise that's around us. There's a lot of good things calling our attention, but we have to say no to good things, to say yes to the great things, and God has really quieted things down around us. For some, that even one that's sitting in our auditorium, it's too quiet. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I get that. For some of you, you're like, okay, it's quiet long enough. I don't have anybody in my life. Um, that's where you'll need to be more proactive in connecting with people, making phone calls. And I know one person who's just planning a trip to go around uh, the country to see people. And I think that's a great idea. So the noise around us, quiet the noise around us, but quiet the noise within us. So with the children of Israel, there's a lot going on around them. They had the plagues. They have the army coming after them. They're out in the wilderness. And then what's happening internally is that they're thinking, we're going to die. We know there's no graves in Egypt. And so Moses brought us out here so the Egyptian army can just kill us. We knew it. Do you see what's going on in their mind? They're, they're, they're thinking worst case scenario. It's an imagination that, it, that exalted itself above what God was doing. And that's what happens when we're gripped with fear is we allow these imaginations, these made-up scenarios to take over what God is actually doing. And that's why we have preaching. That's why we have the Bible. We have, <laughs> we have to come to uh, this centeredness in Christ to really uh, bring these, cast down these strong imaginations that are within us. So the noise within us, they believed a lie. They convinced themselves that Moses brought them out to die. I like what John 10, 27 says about all the noise that goes on in, in our minds. This is what Jesus says. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28 says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. In other words, he says, my, my sheep, my followers, hear my voice. They listen to my voice. When there's a lot of noise going on around them, there's a lot of voices going on within them, they're, they're able to quiet themselves down enough to listen to the Father's voice, listen to the shepherd's voice. Uh, we need to quiet down enough to hear the voice of God above any other voice that's out there. And there's a lot of voices. 
I like what uh, Romans 10, 17 says. It says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One of the best ways to connect with God, the best way to connect with God, to settle down what's going on inside of you is to allow the word of God to get inside of you. That will quiet you down. It's hard to hear his voice when our hearts are filled with so much noise. When we really need is the truth of God's word to quiet down all the noise that's within us and to have a sure, pure, amazing word from God within us. And his word will settle our hearts. His word will always settle our hearts. When we're believing the lies, when we start imagining worst case scenarios, just like the children of Israel do, God says, let me say to the children of Israel, Moses, say this from God's word, settle down, God's at work. And that's what you need to hear. Sometimes I I think a lot of people start losing their minds during times like this because they're not in the word of God. They're not in the word of God. You have to be in the Bible. You have to be hearing it, listening to it. You can uh, download it. You can have it on your phone. You can just have it playing. You can sit down, have a quiet time. Say, God, I need your words, your promises to settle my heart and my mind. Before refrigerators, uh, people used ice houses to preserve their food. And these ice houses had thick walls and no windows and a tightly fitted door. In winter, when streams and lakes were frozen, they would, uh, they would cut out these large blocks of ice, haul them to the ice houses, and then they would cover them with sawdust. And often that ice would last all the way through the summer months in those ice houses. One man, uh, the story is told, lost his watch, his valuable, expensive watch in the ice house among the sawdust. And and boy, hit him and his co-workers looked all over that ice house to find his expensive watch to no avail. A little boy had heard about the predicament, and he, after everybody was gone, he went into the ice house and closed the door. And after about 10 minutes, he emerged from the ice house with the watch. And the man whose watch had been found said, how, uh, how did you find the watch? And And uh, the little boy says, I just lay silently and heard the watch ticking. I just stayed quiet. I put my ear to the sawdust and I heard the watch ticking and I was able to find it. A A lot of times we can't find what we're looking for because there's so much noise going on. When we quiet what's going on around us, say no to things that are drawing our attention away from what's important, we quiet and settle our hearts down, we're able to hear the voice of God. And it is a still small voice, isn't it? You know, he's not in the thunder, he's not in the earthquake, he's not this loud, bombastic God who's screaming at us. He just has this calm, quiet voice, and you'll never hear it if you have so much noise going on everywhere. What are some areas in your life that has kept you from being quiet before the Lord? I want you to really think about this. I want you to examine your own life right now. What are some areas that have kept you from being quiet before the Lord? What has been distracting you internally and externally? And and let me just say this. Before the pandemic's over, you may want to reorganize and prioritize your life before everything opens back up. You may want to sit down and say, you know what? 
I've identified some areas in my life, some, some activities, some things that I was involved in that have really drowned out the voice of God. And now that those things are gone and I'm hearing God's voice, maybe when this thing's over, I just keep those things out. What do you think? I don't know about you, but I want to continue to hear the voice of God because that's the most important voice that's going on in our lives today is to hear from him. So quiet down. God says to Moses, Moses, tell him to quiet down. Stand still, quiet down. And then number two, he teaches them to quench not the spirit. So the, these are cues. You like this? Quiet down, quench not the spirit, okay? Don't quench the spirit. In other words, he, he, God is at work. God's going to fight for you. Look at verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Hold your peace. Don't freak out. God's fighting for you. He's working. Don't quench what he's doing. Don't extinguish what he's doing. Uh, the people did not trust God. And that's what's so interesting about this story. They forgot what God did just in the past, just a few weeks before this, or a few days. Didn't God bring seven plagues to Egypt? I mean, didn't God just, just perform the Passover where they applied the blood of the lamb to their doorposts? We, did on, we talked about on Good Friday. And the, the angel of the Lord passed over every Israeli's house who applied the blood. I mean, didn't they just experience that? How could they not see that God was at work in their life? Yet you find they were quenching the spirit. They were quenching what God was doing. They were extinguishing what God was doing. I like this verse. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, rejoice evermore. And if there's a, it says this at the end of the verse. It says, and quench not the spirit. The verse is not up there. But at the, at the end of the verse, it says, and quench not the spirit. Uh, when I think of quench, I think of thirst. Do you guys remember the Gatorade commercials? Uh, obey your thirst, you know? Uh, you, 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 when you're thirsty, you quench your thirst, right? The word quench can be um, translated as extinguish, as extinguish. When you hear the word extinguish, what do you think of? I'm just gonna come off here. Don't be afraid. What do you guys think of when you think of Extinguish. Yeah, you think of a fire, right? Okay, when I think of extinguish, I think of a fire. And listen, I've always wanted to do this, by the way, I, right? I mean, like every guy wants to do it. Oh, yeah, I'm, okay, that's probably not going to be good online, right? Uh, there's stuff coming out everywhere. I just think, fire! This is probably going to make it on the internet, right? Like, look at this pastor, he's crazy. Uh, the, look, we got the fog machine going online, this is great. Uh, where's the laser lights and all that? When I think of a fire... I think of extinguish. I think of putting out a fire. What God is saying in these verses is that fire is actually a good thing. Fire is actually a good thing. Now that I have everybody's attention, right? God doesn't want us to extinguish the fire. He wants us to have the fire. Fire is actually a good, good thing. The Holy Spirit is like a fire, and this fire is burning away all the dead leaves, the twigs, and useless things in our life. So you may feel like you're losing. You may feel disappointed. You feel the pressure in your life. You may be feeling those things. But I want to show you what 1 Peter 4.12 says. Watch this. It 
says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing had happened to you. God doesn't want you to feel like some strange thing is happening to you as you go through this fire, through this trial. In fact, the Bible speaks of a refiner's fire. <laughs> this is so funny with all this smoke up here, right? It's like... <coughs> When I think of a refiner's fire, uh, this is a really interesting word phrase. Um, a refiner's fire is to refine gold or precious metals. And I don't know if they use that process anymore. But um, when they did, when they would refine gold, they would put it through fire multiple times. In fact, in, in Psalms, it says, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Then it says, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So the, the Bible teaches us that, uh, that, that God's word and our lives go through this same refiner's fire, this refiner's fire. And somebody asked somebody who was a refiner of gold, he says, how do you know when the gold is pure? And they said, when you can see your reflection in the metal. When you can see your reflection in the metal. See, when that gold and that silver goes through the refiner's fire, all of the impurities rise to the top and are taken away. And when you and I go through trials and temptations, that's why God says, don't think it's strange when you go through all those things. As if some random thing has happened to you. Count it all joy. Why? Because God is working all the impurities out of your life. He's working it for good. He's, and what's going to happen is, as you go through these trials and these tribulations, uh, God is refining you. What happens is you begin to reflect the image of God. You begin to reflect the image of God. And that is, I think, our goal in the Christian life, right? Is to reflect God's image. So I like what uh, 1 Peter 4.12 says. I want you guys to see this. Uh, let me show you. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. I want, to see, I want you to see that verse again. Don't think that this is some strange thing. Like, oh, I guess I can't believe God is doing this. I mean, what's that? We're going through this fire, a financial fire. Our marriage is kind of, it's exposed some, some, uh, some things in our marriage that I, that we don't like, well, that's a good thing because when they're, when they're brought to the top, you're able to deal with them. You're actually able to, and when, when now, now that this thing is maybe exposed, some of your financial habits, maybe the impurities of those habits have brought to the top, you can actually now deal with them. Yes, it's painful, I get it. Yeah, it hurts to see it. But once they're away, you are more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You reflect his image. So all of God's choice servants were always, all of his choice servants in the Bible were forged in the fiery furnace of affliction. So God has all of us going through trials to create in us the image of Christ and we can reflect him in our lives. Our goal is not to extinguish the fire. Look, our goal is not, we, we just want this fire to go away. No, what we want to do is allow the fire to rage so it brings up the impurities and so that we could deal with them. And then at the end of this pandemic, we can become more like Christ. And every other trial you end up going through in your life. And so we're not here to extinguish or to quench the spirit. We're here to allow the spirit to work through every 
situation and life stage we go through. And I hope the fire extinguisher did not distract you too much. So in other words, we should be saying, Lord, teach me. Teach me right now. What is something you want to change in me through this pandemic? Like, what are you, what are you doing, Lord? Like, what, what do you want me to change in my marriage? Like, what is it that you're teaching me right now? Not make this go away so I can get back to golf and my extracurricular activities and she can go to her spa days and, and get busy again and just sweep our marital problems under the rug and hope they go away. Or we can actually face them with the Lord and deal with them together. Hey, you know what? I've been proud. I've been selfish. Yeah, I've had some, some habits in my life that this has exposed that I want to take care of in the name of Jesus Christ. So we have to quiet down and quench not the spirit. We're not here with our fire extinguishers. Don't worry, I'm not going to spray it. But we're not here with our fire extinguishers trying to put out the fire. We're not trying to make our problems go away really quick. Lord, please make it all go away. What we're trying to do right now is say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What impurities are you bringing up to the top so that I can take out? Uh, maybe with your children. Maybe this has exposed some areas in your life as a parent that, that you can change when it comes to your relationship with your children. What about getting involved in church? Maybe, maybe you've realized, wow, church is really important. I've realized like, go, like being part of a local community of believers and getting involved in a small group really is an important part of my life, and I need to make that a priority. Maybe that's where you are at. Uh, but this has really helped reveal what we need to, to do and change in our life. Quench not the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Don't put it out. Allow it to rage. Let the fire burn so it causes you to become more like Christ. So quiet down, quench not the spirit, and then lastly, quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Uh, notice what it says in verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel. He goes, don't, he goes I love how God's like, don't, don't cry to me. Tell them to move forward. Tell them to go forward. He's saying, don't quit. You can't quit. You go forward. You, I, last night, my kids wanted to watch a movie, and they said, let's watch Frozen 2. I've never seen Frozen 2. And they said this phrase throughout the whole movie. This was kind of the theme of the movie. Do the next right thing. Just do the, I, I said, man, that's biblical right there. Oh, that's great. Uh, I like that movie. Just do the next right thing. And that's exactly what we're called to do in our Christian life. Just do the next right thing. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen in 10 years or 15 or 20 years. We just need to know what we're supposed to do next. And that's all God wanted the children of Israel to do. Just, just do the next right thing. Just move forward. And for them, they're probably thinking, well, where? There's water, there's mountains, there's nowhere to go. And that's what I love about God. He always asks us to do the next right thing, and then he always does a miracle when we step out by faith. When you and I obey the Lord and say, you know what, I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna quit on my marriage. I'm not gonna quit on paying off my debt and honoring God with his finances that he's given me. I'm not gonna quit on training my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm not gonna quit on my church. I'm not gonna quit on God. I'm not going to quit those things, but I'm going to do the next right thing in all of those areas, and you'll see God work in miraculous ways in all of those areas. That's how God works. But it'll never work until you do the next right thing. You take the next step forward. 
See, it's not getting knocked down or the fails that you've had in life that define you. I'm so glad of that. Because everybody watching, and including myself, have made a lot of dumb mistakes. We've made a lot of crazy decisions, and there's a lot of regret we've had in our past, right? But those don't define us. I like what Proverbs says. It says, a just man falls seven times. That doesn't define you. A just man. And he gets back up again. That, that's what we're supposed to do. For a just man falls seven times, rise up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. I love that. Thanks for putting that verse up. So God says, we have, to, we have to get back up. Don't quit. Just because you failed or just because you've made some mistakes in your past, allow those mistakes to refine you. Don't quit just because you failed before. Um, I like what 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 says. It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. I love that. I love what Proverbs 24, 16 said. Oh, I've already read that verse. Um, So we fall down seven times, we rise up again. We don't quit. Quitting is not an option. Um, I read a story this week about one of the biggest boxing matches to, to, to ever happen. And it happened in, on November 25th, 1980 um, against Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard. Now, I don't know if some of you, I mean, I was born that year. Uh, I was born in January of that year, so I wasn't even a year old when this fight happened. But I watched the fight on YouTube and and Robert Duran, Roberto, sorry, Duran, at this point was 72 wins and one loss. And he had already beaten Sugar Ray Leonard before, and he was favored to win this fight. And as the boxing match was happening in the eighth round, in the eighth round, the guy's 72 and one, 41 wins in a row. In the eighth round, he quit. He looked at the ref and said, no mas. In fact, if you look up his name, he's known for that. He's not known for his over 100 fights that he won. He's known for quitting in the eighth round against Sugar Ray Leonard. When his name is brought up, Roberto Duran, the first thing that comes into people's mind is no mas, no more. He quit. We've all thought about quitting. In fact, you're in good company if you've thought about quitting because almost every character in the Bible had thought about it. You think of Moses, he wanted to quit. Because I, I, I stutter, I, don't, I, I can't do this. Elijah, he said, God, just, after he won a big victory, God, just take me out. I'm depressed, I'm sad, just take my life, I'm gonna quit. Even John the Baptist, who Jesus says there's no man greater that was born when he was in prison, said, are, are you the one or should we look for another? I wanna quit. Every person feels that way. Every person has had moments where they want to quit on their marriage. They want to quit on their kids. They want to quit on life. They want to quit their job. They want to quit church. They just want to quit everything. But I want to just say this, and and I really want you to, to, to just imprint this in your heart, okay? We're not living as Christians for victory. We're living from victory. We're not living, we're not trying to fight for victory. We're We're living from victory. If you're in Christ, you're already victorious. He's already won the battle. When it comes to life and death, he rose from the grave. You have life because of him. 
He's always fighting in your corner. As you do the next right thing, God's right there saying, I will open doors. I will make ways out. You're gonna be okay. I'll work this all together for good. You have a God who fights for you. Man, what great peace and comfort that brings to the heart who trusts in the Lord during these times. So let me ask you this question. Does God have your attention? Does God have your attention? And are you quieting down life around you? He's already done that for you. Are you gonna keep it quiet around you? How about what's going on internally? Is he quieting you down internally? Are you quenching the spirit? Are you bringing the uh, proverbial fire extinguisher and trying to put out all your fires? Or are you saying, Lord, you got this fire in my life because you're working something out of my life? Maybe look at it from that perspective. Don't quench what God is doing. Don't quench the spirit within you. And then quitting's not an option. That's, that's not an option. You work through it. You work through it with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't look internally and say, I'm gonna just do the best I can. Look, do the next right thing, but trust the Lord. It's God who does these things and works and fights your battles. So let me just say this. The greatest need you have, the greatest need you have is peace with God. That's the greatest need you have. I did a funeral this week for Catherine Yao. Catherine Yao is a member of our church who passed away this uh, previous week. From what doctors say, she passed away from complications of COVID-19. So we had a little funeral um, down at Strew, and uh, people were there. And I, I mentioned this. I said, I said this uh, to them. I said, you know, your greatest need is to have peace with God. I said, Kathy Yao, she was, uh, she was in the casket right there. I said, and I know Kathy very well. I said, Kathy had peace with God. Let me ask you, do you have peace with God? That's your greatest need. That's why Jesus came. That's why the angels sang when Jesus was born in the manger, great peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It's because Jesus came to bring, bring peace between man, humanity, and God. Jesus came to bring peace between humanity and God. And the only way he brought peace between us and God is through sacrificing himself, shedding his blood upon the cross, which was the atonement, the propitiation. That word means satisfactory payment for our sins. And those who put their trust in the finished work of Christ, not in religion or ceremonialism or good works, but you put your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, our relationship, humanity's relationship is reconciled or made right before God and you have peace with God. Let me ask you this, how, do you have peace with God? Because that's your number one need. Once you have peace with God, you can quiet your soul down. You can quench not the spirit, you can allow God to now work things out of your life to become more like him, like Jesus, and you can believe for the rest of your life that quitting is never an option. But you'll never know that unless you have peace with God. If you don't have that peace, if you don't have that peace, I invite you to ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior, to save you from your sin. To have peace with God, you have to call upon him. You have to first believe that you're a sinner, that Jesus, God himself, came to this earth to die for your sins, to pay for your sins, all of them, past, present, and future. And when you put your faith in Christ, your relationship is made whole you have peace with God. When you stand before God, he's not gonna see your sin anymore. He's gonna see only his son, Jesus Christ. And if you want that peace with God, 
you have to ask him to save you. So if you want to do that, I'm going to encourage you to pray right now, right where you're sitting, and ask Christ to save you, to ask Christ to save you. Would you do that with me right now? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you've never asked Christ to save you, would you ask Jesus to do that right now? Would you pray this in your heart with me? Pray this. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner without peace with you. And Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth to die for my sin. I'm asking you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin. Lord, I'm turning from that old life I used to live, and I'm turning to you now. I'm asking you to save me. I believe you rose again from the grave, and now you hold eternal life, and I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you, if you prayed that prayer, you asked Christ, you genuinely asked Christ to save you from your sin, I encourage you, if you're on the Facebook page, give us a thumbs up. Uh, or, uh, or uh, say something on there. Say, I prayed that prayer. We'd love to send you some information, send you some materials to help you grow in your Christian life. Um, if you're on our webpage, uh, just, just click that little button that says, I prayed that prayer. Click that, fill out the information. We'd love to help you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you are saved, let me just remind you to quiet yourself down. What are some things you need to do to quiet down don't quench the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to work out the impurities in your life and believe that quitting is not an option. God is fighting for you daily. Thank you so much for joining us online. We love you. Hang out for a little bit online. Chat with each other if you're on Facebook. Um, just be on the lookout for some emails and information uh, on our social media as we begin the process of reopening. I love you all. God bless you. We'll see you next week.